I think a lot of open source startups are raising a lot and, and it's it seems to be a very new trend or very growing trend in tech where it, it feels like open source truly is the future, and, uh, which might, I might be very bold in saying it, but it feels like a lot of the really big alternative companies that are coming out or, or companies that are just growing quickly are open source or at least have an open core or open source parts of it, even if it's not the whole thing. And whether you look at Superbase, where the whole thing is open source, or you look at something like, for example, Netlify and Vercel and, and a bunch of these other companies that have a lot of open source packages related to their company as a whole, I, it, it seems to be a trend that I am very on board with. Digital transformation allows the opportunity for robotic process automation to grow. Are you working in the RPA industry? Be part of a global survey to gather insights about the current state of RPA developers around the world. Visit community.uipath.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Stack Overflow podcast. Cassidy, you have our first news item up today, and that is going to be talking about Superbase raising $80 million for its Series B. Yes. So I am a huge fan of Superbase. First of all, I like their name. Fun fact, <laughs> it is actually named after the Nicki Minaj song. I asked them, like they named it that just as like a test name and then it just stuck. And so there you go. Use a database. Thanks to Nicki Minaj. But anyway, <laughs> they're an open source Firebase alternative as a summary for those who haven't played around with it. And it's really, really solid. I've only played with it a little bit, but I, I've Really liked seeing them grow and, and claim the hearts and minds of a lot of developers. And what is very cool about this, and granted, full disclosure, there is some bias in my head because I do a lot of startup advisory work with OSS Capital. I think a lot of open source startups are raising a lot and, and it's it seems to be a very new trend or very growing trend in tech where it, it feels like open source truly is the future, and, uh, which might, I might be very bold in saying it, but it feels like a lot of the really big alternative companies that are coming out or, or companies that are just growing quickly are open source or at least have an open core or open source parts of it, even if it's not the whole thing. And whether you look at Superbase, where the whole thing is open source, or you look at something like, for example, Netlify and Vercel and, and a bunch of these other companies that have a lot of open source packages related to their company as a whole. I, it it seems to be a trend that I am very on board with. I mean, we, we've talked on the show before about how difficult it is for open source projects to monetize and even even get people to contribute to open source. And you know, it's it's been interesting seeing. I feel like there's kind of like, you'll be able to speak to this with more authority than I, I have, but from kind of like a, I guess, somewhat of an outside outsider perspective, it seems like companies are either owning part of like an open source project and then pumping money in to kind of develop that up. So for example, like Facebook and React, like that's that's something that was owned by Facebook and then you've got all these other spinoffs that have come through it. Or you have these super companies that you know are, are being recognized and getting a ton of funding through that as an open source alternative. 
Yeah, and, and you see it similarly with like cal.com versus Calendly. Very similar, but cal.com mm-hmm. is open source. And then you see OpenBB is one that I discovered recently, and they're basically doing an open source version of the Bloomberg terminal. Oh, wow, cool. Yeah, it's it's actually really neat. And so there's there's all these really interesting startups coming out of it. And I think open source, first of all, it allows the community to learn from your code and stuff in general. But also, if people want some feature in the software, they can make a PR and, and just use that pull request to, to add the feature themselves. And, and that could be beneficial to everyone. Or they can fork it and then make their own version of the software and hopefully stick to the licenses that are attached to it. I, I think it's great for education and creativity and also just better software in general, because if there's a bug, it won't just be this thing in a black box where you're just like, don't worry, people, we'll fix it. Anybody could fix it or at least tell you more about it. It's, it's one of the things on my like development to-do list for my career. I've, I've never actually contributed to an open source project before. Whoa. I know. Yeah. So this is, it's going to be like a big kind of like milestone to figure out what open source project I'd like to contribute to. I, I'd want to do something in terms of either like a home automation uh, open source project or something to do with graphics and, and like creative art, that kind of thing. So that is on my radar. I will be doing that this year, but I haven't figured out where or what I'll be contributing to yet. But I'm going to document the whole process and that's going to be a thing I'll be able to share. So one thing that you said that I feel like I should say this, open source, it doesn't have to be a big grand PR where you're just like, I'm adding this giant feature to something. A lot of my open source contributions are fixing a typo or clarifying a little bit of documentation or even just jumping on an issue saying, I was able to reproduce this as well. This is a real bug. I think a lot of people think, again, you have to add this whole grand feature or something to to an open source repo for it to be a valid quote unquote contribution to open source, but you don't have to write a lot of code to just make it work. You could write a test that tests a single component and hey, now that component will be tested and it wasn't done before. And and a lot of really great repos out there or a lot of great projects out there have tags called good first issue, where it's very purposely small and something that anybody could take on. It's just like something you got to do. And and for example, I did one recently with cal.com where for them, I noticed that there was an issue with time zones and I said, oh, th- this drop down should be fixed. I didn't even make the PR itself. I just made the issue and showed all the re- reproduction steps. Someone else said, oh, I was able to duplicate this as well. So it's real. And then someone else actually made the PR to fix it. All of us were contributing in our own different ways. It's just not always writing code. And so I'm encouraging you, Matt, and anyone listening. It's okay that if you haven't contributed at all to open source, but also you don't need to make a massive deal out of it. You could just say, hey, do you need help? I could replicate this, make an issue, make a PR, anything. I'm very curious. Was for the people who are very active within the open source community, then do you typically get different flavors of person where people are more interested in finding bugs and reporting those versus the people who are bug fixers versus the people who are all kind of in on, I want to make big grand features to like help out this project. Like, do you, do you typically run into different streams of people? Yeah, that is everywhere constantly. Some people, they just update the readme or they're just like, I'll improve the docs oh, cool. here and there. It can be anything. And I think that's what's really exciting about it is you can do what plays to your strengths the best because open source needs all kinds of different 
people because it's kind of like a company. A company doesn't just have devs that all do front-end development, even if their software is just front-end development. They have project managers, they have technical writers, they have dev advocates, they have all kinds of stuff. And some people, their biggest open source contribution, for example, was making sure that the code of conduct for the repo was inclusive. And that was huge for that repository. And, and there are people who specialize in those kinds of things. I'm much more of an ad hoc person where I'm just like, oh, I could fix that or I could update that issue or something. But I think that is definitely a misconception that a lot of people have where I used to work with Ryan Florence and Michael Jackson who made React Router, Reach UI, and are making Remix now. And Those are some pretty heavy names to drop, Cassidy. I know, I know. Look <laughs> at me. But... I remember like in meetings with them, they were saying, oh, I wish we could just tell people that it's not the most helpful thing to just make a new feature in the router or a new feature in our framework. The most helpful thing would be just telling us, yes, I was able to duplicate this bug or replicate this bug, because if they were able to, that means it's real and we can prioritize it and, and triaging those issues so that way you can actually dedicate time towards it and and is so so huge but a lot of people again it's it's not publicized as often in terms of people who contribute to open source then is it coming from purely like an altruistic like i'm just doing this to help or other are there other ways in which they can kind of like get credit for the work that they're doing or like what kind of positive flow on effects apart from just within that framework itself might arise as a result of contributing to open source work. So first of all, yes, it's good to do the right thing and contribute to the community and that kind of stuff. That's great. But also, first of all, some open source companies and projects and stuff, they do split up any like money from donations or, or funds or anything amongst the contributors. And so sometimes there is a monetary factor. And I'm not going to get into money and open source because that is a problem that hasn't necessarily been solved and there's lots of solutions, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, so there, but there is that factor in some projects. Also, it's pretty good resume material because if you say, oh, I actually help debug issues for React or I help do X, Y, or Z for Superbase. I know some people who have gotten jobs because of their open source contributions where they said, oh, I actually added the login with Discord feature to Superbase. Now they work there. I don't actually know if that person works there, but it's an example. Whenever I talk to open source founders, they almost exclusively hire from their contributors when it becomes a quote unquote real company. Like they will hire others and stuff because diversity in open source is definitely still a problem and everything. But I think in particular for newer developers who are trying to get their foot in the door and developers who come from underrepresented groups. If you make open source contributions, that is amazing for the job hunt and really, really important resume material that that can get your foot in the door in ways that is more non-traditional. Like how, how do you kind of approach open source work considering how extremely busy you are? Like, do you kind of like lock off time for it a week? Do you have a schedule? Or you mentioned it was very ad hoc. Do you just kind of like use the products that you use, and then when something comes up, you you jump on it? I, mostly the latter, where I mostly use a product, and if I know it's open source, I am ready with my like issue button finger where I can say, like, okay, if I see a bug, <laughs> I'm going to make an issue for it. Because it, I, it's something that's so important. It's user feedback, and the best thing that you can do for 
these open source companies in particular, but projects in general, is give them solid quality feedback that they can use to fix it and make the product better. If I have a real hankering to code something, there's actually quite a few websites out there that say, hey, these are some open source repositories that need fixing go. And you can look at the good first issues or or anything where people might need help. Some people add bounties to issues. Ooh, so that way yeah. you can say, okay, if I fix this, this PR, then I'll be able to get a bounty as well as fix the product. But then also, for example, there's this one website called, I think it's called 24 pull requests. And it's like an advent calendar type of thing where your, your goal is to just make a pull request every single day on a GitHub repo. And it has suggestions based on the oh, tech you cool. want to use or the category you want to follow. And you can go ahead and do that. And and there's a bunch of sites like that. And sometimes open source project maintainers just put their repos on these lists because they need the help, but they don't know how to do that type of recruiting, quote unquote, without just tweeting saying, hey, we have these problems, help, and see where it goes. Okay, we are running into the recommendation portion of the podcast. Cassidy, did you have any recommendations or shall I launch forward with my own? I'll put in a recommendation for one and it's Lunch Money, lunchmoney.app. It's a really nice budgeting app and it, it handles everything from crypto to cash and, and is, is really solid. I, having moved to Vancouver and uh, realized how expensive it is here compared to Little yeah. old New Zealand. Vancouver's pricey. Yeah, it is not <laughs> well, cheap. There you go. <laughs> I do have another app recommendation as well. I noticed there's a, a trend on YouTube recently where a lot of people are switching over to the Mac Studios and uh, coming over from PC land to do development, all that kind of thing. And they're complaining about window management. And it irks me every time I see it because there is a very simple solution for that. And it's called Magnet. It's a very cheap app you can download. It's tied to uh, iCloud ID for the duration that you can bear to use Mac OS X, but it's incredibly <laughs> good. Mac has a very poor Windows management system implemented already. Windows does it incredibly well, so does Linux. And uh, Magnet is essentially bringing that over to the Mac. And you've got hotkeys to move Windows around, move between desktops, nice. all that kind of stuff. It's absolutely fantastic. Can recommend. It is paid, but it's cheap. It has saved me more frustration than I think it was a dollar fifty is what I bought at the time. So magnets is my recommendation. That is something where I, I switch between a PC and a Mac fairly regularly. And whenever I go to the Mac, mm. I have like the window snapping in my PC in my brain and I try moving it. I'm just like the window didn't move. It just stayed there <laughs> yeah. on the edge. And that that <laughs> processing window. power in my brain. <laughs> I had them the the hotkeys maps the same between Windows and Mac. So that muscle memory stay the same. And it's just, yeah, it's saved my bacon many, many, many times. Right, let's move on to the lifeboat of today. Great, so a lifeboat for today, a lifeboat, if you did not know, is an answer score of 20 or more to a question score of negative three or less that goes on to receive a score of three or more. The lifeboat for today is awarded to Dfrip, who answered Swift, nil requires a contextual type. That is actually quite relevant to me. I'm starting to learn iOS and Swift. Uh, AR glasses are going to be quite fun. So I'm wanting to have a play around with, with that whole ecosystem. But thank you very much, Deepra, for going through and providing value to the Stack Overflow community. That is our podcast episode for this week. So thank you very much, everyone, for listening. My name is Matt Kiananda. I'm a developer advocate here at Stack Overflow. You can find me online at Matt Kanda on Twitter, YouTube, many other social places. 
And I'm Cassidy Williams. You can find me at Cassidoo, C-A-S-S-I-D-O-O, on most things. All right, everyone. Thank you so much. And we will see you next week. Bye.